Uh, I will say, though, it started getting pretty physical. Women's basketball can get pretty dirty, especially when you're a taller girl like myself, when you're down low in the post from the elbowing to the hair pulling. I'm seeing girls dropping left and right, tearing ACLs, and I'm like, huh, you know, the running up and down the court, the, the aggressiveness. I don't know if this is for me. And so I was introduced to volleyball and, you know, all they had to do was go up, down, side to side. I got a net separating me from my opponents. I'm like, I think I might stick with this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Gene Therapy. I'm Coach Gene Clemens, CWN Sports. So we appreciate them for always hosting and and making sure that you can get this great contest again. Gene Therapy, just what's on my mind at the time. And what I'm thinking about is the NCAA tournament. It is the the final four. If you did not get a chance to read my, um, read my column on my love for the NCAA tournament, then please go ahead, go to CWN Sports and check that out. But also, we're down to the final four. And, and not just the final four um, for the men that I'm excited about, but I'm excited about the final four women's tournament as well. And so for me, this is the time, right? This is the time where a lot of the questions get answered. And we can't have a better matchup for a for a championship. Like we can't have a better matchup for a final four than what we have right now. Um, the final four that's 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 lined up, North Carolina versus Duke. This is the first time they are ever meeting. I still can't believe that, but I guess it makes sense when you think about it from the standpoint that they're both in the ACC. They're both usually pretty highly ranked. And so they wouldn't be lined up to meet until this time. And either one or both have, you know, not come through in successive years. But the other, the other matchup, this Villanova versus Kansas matchup, another really interesting matchup. And three of the best coaches in the, um, not only, you know, right now, but three of the best coaches all time. I think there's an argument that can be made that Coach Krzyzewski is the greatest um, coach of all time. I usually try to say he's the greatest modern day coach of all time because I think it's going to be hard for people to supplant John Wooden and the advantage that he had based off of what he was dealing with in that time. But the greatest modern day coach and Coach K, um, Bill Self, multiple championships, taking his team to multiple championships and the supremacy that he's had in the Big 12. And then Jay Wright and what he's been able to do at Villanova and really ascend that program and do something that that Gonzaga hasn't been able to do, which is to take that program that's kind of been, you know, in the middle and elevate it not only to a high status, but win championships and keep it up there regardless of who they have, you know, on playing and, and playing point guard. But what I'm really excited about is I have an opportunity to talk to um, one of the bright stars in the game, um, someone who, who I know does, does a lot of really great work in the Savannah area, 
uh, when it comes to sports and covering things nationally um, from, from that post. She was recently named um, sports director at WJCL in Savannah. I am, I am pleased to be joined by Amy Zimmer. Amy, thank you for joining me. I really do appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk some hoops. You know, right now here in Savannah, we're getting ready for a lot of golf coverage. So it's kind of nice to step aside for a minute here and, and talk about what's happening on the hardwood as we've got a ton of big matchups coming up that I am pumped for. Absolutely, absolutely. And and just a, just a minute because, you know, we, we're talking here. We're podding. Did you ever, like, play basketball or were you strictly, you know, a volleyball, a volleyball type of girl? It's funny. I actually, basketball was my main sport growing up. I grew up in Michigan. I played on a Detroit travel team. I travel over like an hour and a half for practices to go practice down in Detroit because I was a small town kid from more in the upper state of Michigan. And I loved basketball. Uh, I will say, though, it's starting getting pretty physical. Women's basketball can get pretty dirty, especially when you're a taller girl like myself, when you're down low in the post from the elbowing to the hair pulling. I'm seeing girls dropping left and right, tearing ACLs, and I'm like, huh, you know, the running up and down the court, the, the aggressiveness, I don't know if this is for me. And so I was introduced to volleyball, and, you know, all I had to do was go up, down, side to side. I got a net separating me from my opponents. I'm like, I think I might stick with this. So I ended up playing college volleyball, but loved playing basketball in those days. So I was on the varsity team in high school as a freshman, and um, was thinking about going the college route for it, but I ended up uh, taking a turn and going the volleyball route. Listen, anybody that knows me, they know they know my love affair for for volleyball <laughs> and, and especially for for college women's volleyball. I just it, like the, the 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 action, the the excitement, the way y'all stunt on people. By the way, <laughs> the stunting that goes on in volleyball, it's like every single time that you make a play. You're going to let the other team know about it. It's like, oh, no, no, that's a block. It's for <laughs> sure. Wondering, that's a block. Or if you get an ace, it's a full-on dance routine going on. It's fantastic. <laughs> I've always loved that about, about volleyball and the competitiveness. So, so, you, so you grew up a basketball girl. What was your first, what was your first, um, what was the first thing you remember about um, what, what brought you into the NCAA tournament? Um, what do you mean? Like, for like, the, like, what's your earliest, what is your earliest, um, recollection of the tournament and, and, and what drew you personally into the NCAA tournament? I would have to say UConn watching like the UConn women's basketball program and what they were doing there and just their winning success and hearing about how, you know, women's basketball is taking over and, and just dominating, uh, drawing that attention to to the game. That's when I really got hooked. It was definitely when it came down to UConn and just when they started having their success. Uh, that's when I started paying attention to it, I would say. Really for me growing up, though, uh, it's funny. I was so caught up in playing the sports and traveling. I never really had time to sit down and watch, but um, I would definitely have to give a shout out to UConn women's basketball being one of those teams that really had me starting to pay attention to what was going on on the college level. Yeah, I think for me, what it was is that the the NCAA tournament always seemed to happen right on the tail end of high school or or even your middle school youth basketball league. Like yeah. right before you went into travel ball, that that March 
you know, that, that early March, you got to, to, you know, to attach yourself to a team. Obviously, you know, the brackets are what's made college basketball explode with the tournament because everybody feels invested. Um, yeah. Are you a one bracket person or are you a two bracket person? I just try to go one. That's see, you know what? Yeah. There's a reason why I love you. <laughs> the reason why I, all of these three and four and five bracket people and I know. I'm gonna keep these straight. I'm like, how do you have the time? I know. <laughs> I, I I don't know how they do it. And honestly, emotion from an emotional standpoint, one is enough for me. It's enough. <laughs> Absolutely. I can't I can't be that involved. Um and, and you mentioned something about UConn and, and I wanted to get into that. Yeah. Because it's something that's really been bothering me. And and this isn't a slight on UConn because UConn, they don't make their own schedule. But UConn was able to essentially host a home game yeah. as a two seed versus the number one seed, North Carolina State. A game that ended up going into um, overtimes, a fantastic basketball game, a great opportunity for a marquee matchup. And I think that it was... It was almost cheapened because at the least, at the least, North Carolina State should have been afforded a neutral site to take on UConn as the number one seed. But the fact that they had to play UConn like right in Connecticut yeah. as a two seed, like, are you, do you think that they're, they're missing the boat? The NCAA is missing the boat with the women's game with, with trying to make sure that the popular teams end up in the final four every year. Yeah, I'll tell you what, this definitely has been bringing a lot of uproar and attention to this when it comes to the seating and, and who plays where. Uh, this, for me, doesn't quite make sense. Um, I think everyone kind of has that question mark uh, popping up when, when it was announced. Uh, I, for me, you know, when you think about it, it's always usually the, the higher seed has the advantage in some cases and and when you talk about UConn and Gino and what is going on there on their campus to have to go and play there rather than a neutral site or you know at the top seed it definitely is like that's that's going to be a challenge there's definitely an upper hand in that absolutely and I think the 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 problem that I have with it is you can't they can't even lie and say well this is just how the bracket fell yeah because as the number two seed understanding how as the number as the number two seed understanding how, how 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 the women's game is gone you see so much chalk happening you had to you had to know it was most likely going to be uconn versus nc state yeah in the elite eight and so putting uconn in a bracket that would allow them to play in Connecticut for for a chance to go to the Final Four, that to me just says you wanted UConn to be there because you know that if UConn's there, more eyes come, more fans come, and it's all about the dollar as opposed to building the entire brand and allowing those teams to those teams that jump onto the scene because we haven't heard a lot about NC State. This would have been a great opportunity to introduce the country to NC State basketball. And in, and instead, they, they go down in an epic game. Paige McBuckets was Paige McBuckets once again. And now UConn is going to their 100 millionth, you know, Final Four appearance in a row. And, and, and the excitement about it, I think, takes a dip 
because it's like, okay, well, we've seen that show before. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. Definitely. No, and I mean, that's kind of like where, when you think about it back in the day when Gino and, and UConn were just starting to really bring on that spotlight, it all has to start from the bottom to build yourself up. And for NC State, I mean, this would have been the prime opportunity. It's all about helping these teams become a household name. But if you're always just focusing on one team and shining that spotlight specifically on one team, how are you going to build it up? So I, I definitely hear you out on that. Yeah, South um, South Carolina and UConn's going to take on um, Stanford, and that'll mm-hmm. be interesting. That'll be a great matchup, obviously. South Carolina, the number one overall seed, is going to take on Louisville, and and we get a chance for um, – I, I always said that when South Carolina lost to Kentucky in the SEC championship, it was the worst thing that happened to the women's game because they were going to be so motivated that they were just going to run roughshod over everybody in the tournament, and we've seen that play out. South Carolina has looked like the most dominant team in college basketball – um boys boys or girls it doesn't even matter they look like the the class of uh, of college basketball period in and you have to really respect that because south carolina is kind of doing under dawn staley what gino ariema and in in yukon did to tennessee that when pat summit was holding things down at the top of, of the college basketball landscape so it's it's been fun to watch that happen. What do you think about this um, Louisville South Carolina matchup? I think it's going to be great. Um, I think it's going to be a test. I mean, I know that for the Gamecocks, they're a team that we cover all season long, obviously uh, in our geographic area. And so for what uh, Staley has been doing with her team um, and just the amount of players, I mean, I could not even just give you one or two names. Really, that whole roster is just stacked with girls having double doubles and just putting on a huge performance. Uh, so when they go into this matchup now with Louisville, they're going to be going in, though, with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder because last year they fell in the Final Four, and that stung. And they've been carrying that with them to, throughout this entire season, saying, hey, we have unfinished business to take care of. So I could see this being as definitely a heated matchup. But as for the Cardinals, this is a great opportunity for them to come in and take advantage of that situation, knowing it can be done. The Gamecocks can be taken down. It doesn't matter at what point in the season it can happen. And so they'll be thriving on that, I think, going in with motivation of knowing, like, hey, while this has been the number one team all season long, just because they have a number one in front of them doesn't mean that they're unstoppable. Yeah, and, and Louisville's playing with house money because nobody thinks they're winning. Mm-hmm. Like, even even people in Louisville's like, well, you guys got South Carolina. <laughs> Good luck. You know, like, like all of the people who believe in, in, in Louisville – they're in that locker room. And so when you have that freedom to just be be able to go out and not have the pressure of, oh, man, you're expected to win or you have to win or this is a revenge tour, that's something that's really awesome for um, for Louisville. I, I want to get back over to the, to the men's side because I know I only have you for a small amount of time. I know, I I'm sorry. More. Yeah. It's okay um, because this matchup of North Carolina and, and Duke – Two blue bloods, two, you know, two two established um, entities. One coach coming in his first year on the job. Another coach ending. Can you can you write anything better than this? 
the amount of storylines for this matchup is insane. It is a laundry list of storylines that go into this. But I think one of my favorite ones is knowing that we have a rivalry in the final four that has never happened before. These teams have never met in the postseason. So it's going to make it such a unique atmosphere for these two. And it also, as you mentioned, just from the coaching aspects, there's so much storylines just within that, especially when you think back to the regular season when UNC spoiled Coach K's final home game. Yeah, no. Uh, it's interesting, too, because Duke blew out North Carolina in the in the first matchup yes. of the season. Then North Carolina comes back. Duke's thinking this is going to be a coronation of Coach K's last game in, nope. in, in Cameron. And nope, <laughs> it's over. Now both teams who were not expected to do a whole lot because of the way they were playing down the stretch get hot at the right time. They both run through the tournament only to end up here. Now, as a North Carolina fan, I must tell you, okay, the only way I believe this should end is with Duke losing to North Carolina or they have to win it all. Yeah. You can't you can't beat North Carolina and then lose to to Kansas in the championship game. That messes the entire storyline up. As a writer, that's that's, <laughs> a, that's the way it should it, it should never play out that way. Either you win the championship or you lose right here to North Carolina and we write the story as Coach K final game, North Carolina got it done. That's obviously what I would prefer. Of course. But if they were to get it done, they've got to they've got to cut down the nets. Oh, definitely. I mean, welcome to being a journalist. Listen, there's people that go into these games with storylines already written, articles ready to go, headlines typed up. And here's what um, athletic teams love to do. They love to ruin it all for you. You Absolutely. have these things in your mind thinking that's going to be perfect, and then it just doesn't even happen. So I don't even know what to expect going into this game. I totally hear you out on what you're saying of what would be the ideal situations and what's what's right and what's wrong. Uh, I just I really don't know what's going to happen Saturday. I mean, this is going to be an insane matchup. It's a blockbuster. And if you're a college basketball fan, and while you might not be a fan of either team, this is one that you just can't miss. You have to watch this. Absolutely. And the, the other matchup, Kansas and Villanova, yes. it was, it was, it, in any other's year, any other year, people would be like, oh my God, this is an yeah. epic matchup. Nobody's talking about Kansas Villanova. <laughs> no, that was like, another matchup. Meanwhile, we're like these two juggernaut of coaches and these two juggernaut programs are going head to head for the right to play whoever wins North Carolina and, and Duke. Yeah. It, if, if if you're a local affiliate in in Durham right now, you're, you're welcome. You, you literally these things write themselves for the next three, four, five days. Even afterwards, you could still squeeze more juice out of it. This will be bragging rights for years to come in that area. I mean, between those two teams, and for any reporter working in that area. Prayers go out to them because, my goodness, this has got to be a whirlwind having to cover both of these teams and having to stay neutral and to cover all the bases and get with all the different storylines. I mean, my mind would just explode. Yeah, no, there's no sleep going for them. No <laughs> sleep. They need, to, they need to be resting up as much as they can right now because when they hit probably like Thursday night, the, the sleep is over. Yep. It'll just be story after story after breaking news after – jump on this person's show and jump on this person's radio segment. It's going to be crazy. Um, 
Amy, I know you've got to get out of here. I don't want to keep you any longer. Um, give me your give me your final four predictions. You don't have any, you know, any affiliation. So we're we're you're you're a youper, so it's good. You can <laughs> Yeah, okay, listen. Um, you know, for me personally, I, I room for the game talks all the way. And I'm gonna I'm gonna side with you. I'm I'm gonna be rooting for UNC all the way as well. I just think that uh, you know, of course, Lady Gamecocks, I respect what they've been doing all season long and what Staley has done for that program throughout the years. I would love to see them come out on top on this one, especially after what happened to them last season. Um, I know just from being a former college athlete, the amount of emotion that goes into that and to have been so close last year, uh, these girls are going to be giving it their all coming this Friday. And then again, for the men's side, um, no disrespect to, to Villanova and Kansas and, and whatnot for, for that side, but I got to go all the way with UNC. I just think for them and what they've done. And for them to overcome the Peacocks, I mean, to get past those guys, <laughs> they were scaring me. Oh, I mean, goodness. that's unbelievable. What that yeah, they, they handled, they handled um, yeah. St. Peter's pretty early. I think that's what, that's what was a good thing. They got them. They got them off their game early, got a lead, and then from there, just natural talent took over, and and UNC was they were able to um, prevail. Um, Amy, Amy Zimmer, um, WJCL sports director. I know you're going out to cover some golf, so I know you have suntan, and I know you no, have bug no spray. Naps. No naps, right? Gotta have the no sure. nap. You gotta have the suntan. Make sure you're make sure that you get a nice little even coat on you. Um, Safe travels, have fun out there, and we will talk to you soon. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Hope to hop on here again with you, and hopefully when uh, my deadline's not so strict. So uh, it was a pleasure, and thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you again. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, like, these, these games are epic. These games are epic. And as a fan of, 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 of college basketball, you have to be impressed with what Villanova has done. So I want to go back and I want to talk more about these teams and, and what we what we get to expect. Villanova does not have a, a team that has anyone on it that I'm going, that guy is going to be a star in the NBA. Or that guy is going to be a major contributor in the NBA. Um, Villanova has a, a gang of, of just good, hardworking basketball players. And to be able to ascend to the level that they've ascended to with a bunch of just good, hardworking, fundamentally sound basketball players, that's, that's to be commended. But it, it shouldn't surprise anybody because this is what Jay Wright has built. Jay Wright has built a team in Villanova that does not rely on stars. I think somewhere, and, and they maybe they maybe even said it somewhere along the line. Jay Wright said, "Listen, we can't keep trying to compete to get these 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 superstar college kids because they're going to be one and done, and we can't continually add a new one every year." They're not going to choose Villanova over Kentucky or Villanova over Duke or Villanova over Kansas or North Carolina. They're going to 
they're going to most likely choose those. So we need to find really good basketball players that have a good chance of staying around for three or four years. We need to get them into our program. We need to teach them how we want them to play basketball. And then we need to make sure that they're ready to go. And that's what they've done. They do such a great job with developing talent. They do such a great job with shaping whatever talent they have. They transform themselves into whatever that needs to be. So there are some Villanova teams that have been up and down because they've had those type of guys. Those get into your shirt, lock you down so we can get out and run type of players. Like they've had those, right? But then we also, we also have seen them with a team this year where it is control, 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 making sure that um, they that they control the the pace of the game, making sure that they control the 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 way in which the, the shots unfold. They want to limit the touches of the of the opposition. They want to play fundamentally sound defense. So they want to come down and. And, and play for 28 seconds on their side, make a shot. They want you to come down, play for 28 seconds of the shot clock, sh- throw up a shot that you're not comfortable with, miss, rebound, and then go back and, and, and do it again. Like, that's what, they, that's what they've been able to do. That's, what, that's how they've been able to distinguish themselves in, in, in how they're able to get by this year, because this year is not a team with a bunch of superstar scorers on it. I think in my um in our Zebra Strikes podcast, Coach Witt and I, we put them as fourth when it came to scoring because of their ability to put the ball in the cup. So, you know, with Villanova being able to, to put this team into the final four, if this team can get into the final four, then imagine what happens when they have really good teams. Well, you, we already know what happens. They usually cut the nets down. And, and that is saying something big about what Jay Wright has been able to do as the head coach at Villanova. Now, Kansas, when you talk about Kansas, Kansas always has talent. They always they always have talent. Excuse me. They always um, are looking they are always looking at somebody on their roster that is probably going to play on on at the next level for a long period of time and be a major contributor. They always have star power. That can't be lost, right? It's it's one thing to kind of, you know, talk about it and 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 try to make people believe that you have a star out there. But then there's another thing to actually have legitimate star power. And when you have legitimate star power, when you have legitimate stars, you take advantage of it. I mean, it's really that simple. When you have legitimate stars, you, you, When you have legitimate stars, you take advantage of those stars, and then you move them on. And Bill Self has done a great job of not holding players longer than he should hold them, not not keeping them from 
jumping to the next level when he sees there's an opportunity for you know for for them to get to the next level if he thinks it's time for you to go then you go and and with bill self you know they want to play up tempo they want to play they want to play ahead of the pace and by playing ahead of the pace they're able to get you to um make mistakes you know they're able to get you to make mistakes they're able to get you to um get into their game and then all of a sudden they hit two and three and four shots in a row and now they're up eight and then you miss two shots and they hit three in a row and now they're up 14 and the game's over because you don't have enough firepower you don't have enough guns in your bullet i mean bullets in your gun in order to be able to shoot with them that's that's real legitimate power that's real legitimate power and not everybody has that real legitimate power see and then the dynamic between north carolina and duke we've talked about it some and and, and i talked about it with amy the thing that i love about this matchup right and this is the thing that I want to give I want to give Hubert Davis credit for because I've been critical of Hubert Davis and the way in which the team has performed this year. Again, this is the team that I identify as my team. I have followed them for an extremely long time. And, and, it, and it looked disjointed. It looked as if people didn't understand their roles and somewhere along the lines, after they bowed out in the ACC tournament, whatever happened between the time that they lost in the ACC tournament to the first round of the NCAA tournament, those guys defined their roles. And that has to be credited to Hubert Davis and what he's done in his first year. Now, don't get me wrong. I've, I've been critical of Hubert Davis. I was excited with the hire at first because, obviously, he, he's a North Carolina guy. He played in North Carolina. But really more, he was. it was the first time we were getting a chance to see a black man at the helm at, U, at UNC. And it was a guy that was respected. And it was a guy that went and sat on the bench and learned the game as a coach learned the game through the coach's eyes, studied the game through a coach's eyes. He didn't just walk off the court as a basketball player and get gifted a job. Very similar to Jawan Howard, he went and paid his dues as an assistant. And he was able to get, I know there were a lot of people to up for that job. So I was proud. Now, there were some things that I didn't particularly like. The way in which his press conference went when he was asked about being the first black man, you know, um, as the head coach of, of North Carolina, to then turn around and say, "Yeah, but I'm really proud of my white wife, and I'm proud of my uh, of my mixed race, you know, my biracial kids." Like, I just didn't think that was the the place. It doesn't mean that he shouldn't be proud, and I don't think anyone there was were, were, were trying to make him feel as if he shouldn't be proud but here's what i was thinking about since then clearly someone did clearly somebody had the audacity had the nerve to make him feel bad about who he loved 
that's ridiculous. Like you should never be criticized for who you love. I just thought that at a at a at a at a at a moment where this was big, this was critical for the culture. That was not the time. Like I think that there could have been much longer thought out pieces written to extol about why he was proud of his white wife and his biracial children and and the backlash that he probably received from you know being marrying a white woman i just didn't think that press conference to as an answer to that particular question was where we should see it but we're here now right we're here and so if we're here and we're addressing it hubert davis has you can't take anything away from him. He's in the final four, right? Regardless of what I might think about him and, and how he handled that, that press conference, he's the, he's the coach of the team that I root for. So I'm riding with him. It was hard for me to get here, but I'm riding with him. And they have a squad that is the most balanced squad left in the tournament. Because while while duke and kansas both have people who can score inside and out they don't have people who can score inside and out like north carolina has like duke has someone that could score inside like north carolina has but they don't have guards that can score like north carolina guards kansas has guards who can score like north carolina's guards but they don't have someone on the inside who as who is as efficient and as productive as North Carolina has. Villanova plays a completely different game based off personnel, so we can't even add them in. So for me, looking at this team and what they've been able to what they're what they're able to accomplish, I know that the 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 Duke game is a game that is going to be very um emotional. But in my mind, all the pressure is on Duke. All the pressure is on Duke to win this game for Coach K. All the pressure are on those Duke players to not let this ride end at North Carolina. Think about it. If North Carolina loses to Duke, then people go, oh, well, you know what? Good for Duke. Coach K gets an opportunity to go out with a championship. The story writes itself. He gets the opportunity to go out with a championship. That means that there's no pressure on North Carolina because if they win, they go, oh, North Carolina put an end to the Coach K's career. North Carolina can retire Coach K. By the way, that's so that's so awesome. That's so cool. I wish I had the opportunity to retire a coach. I wish I had the opportunity to retire a player. Hey, you know what? This is your last game and take this L on the way out. That would be, that would be fly. That would be phenomenal. I hope to give someone the opportunity to retire me one day. And, and, and I hope to be able to retire a winner. I hope to be able to retire a winner. 
But as we know, most people don't retire as winners, which is what makes this Coach K story so phenomenal. The idea that Coach K has the has the chance to retire a winner. He the opportunity to retire with a championship in hand and to not retire after the championship, but to have retired and known that this was the end all season, to go through the ups and downs, for people to doubt it, for people to think that it's not going to happen, only to finally come out on top and win a championship, that would be a phenomenal story. Nobody could script it any better. Nobody. At the end of the day, what they would be able to do would be something epic. That would be, that entire season would be its own book. And I'm sure whomever's been covering the the, the um, Blue Devils, they're already writing that story as we speak. Whomever's covering the Duke, they're writing that story. That book will be out by the fall. That book will be ready to go by the fall. It'll be a collector's item if Coach K is able to get it done. I could contend that even if he doesn't get it done, even if he fails and loses to North Carolina on Saturday evening, that the book still should get written because that's a great ending. Hey, everybody's excited. Coach K has an opportunity to go out as a championship, except North Carolina's in the way and North Carolina gets it done. Man, what just the stories, the stories, man, the stories, they just keep writing themselves. Duke has a great team, but it's not like an all-time great Duke team. There's, there's some surprise that Duke is here. There's not a surprise that Coach K is here because Coach K is that level of talent as a coach. But there's a surprise that he was able to bring this team here under these situations. But now that they're here, they might as well win it all, right? Now that they're here, they might as well win it all. On the girls' side, you know, phenomenal matchups. And, and, and one of the things that I want to talk about, um, specific to the the women's game, is this. There are three one-seeds and a two-seed in here who people could argue is a one-seed, right? Three one-seeds and a two-seed that people could argue is actually a one seed. Like that's what that's what we're dealing with in the women's game. And once again, we get the the old familiars. South Carolina, Stanford, Yukon, Louisville, who kind of been in and out, but they've been they've been a really good program for for a while. I was trying to think back to the last time NC State women were good, at least what I could remember. And I couldn't, 
I couldn't like wrap my my head around it. I don't remember. Um, I can't remember the last time that they were good, right? I, I, I'm not. I'm not really sure. And I feel like I should know. I feel like I, I should have an idea if they've been good. So right now, as we talk, I'm going to their Wikipedia page. I want to know what they've been like over the last, I don't know, 10 years. So they've been a they've been a a, a, a perennial NCAA tournament team. Right? They've only been in two Elite Eights. And this would have been their second Final Four. So this year, they made the Elite Eight. They lost, obviously, to, to, to UConn. And in 1998, in 1998, they made the Elite Eight. They won. And they went to the final four. Right? So if that's the case since 1982, which as far back as the history goes for NC State women's basketball, 1982, and they've only ever been a one seed twice, that was last year. And this year, right? And last year they lost in the Sweet 16. This year they got closer as a one C and lost in the Elite Eight. So NC State's a team that was that's coming, but they're not a team that has history. They're not a team that everybody who doesn't follow women's basketball closely, they don't know anything about NC State. Man, was this an opportunity missed by the NCAA to allow another team other than UConn the opportunity to ascend to a level that people would be talking about them. Does it mean that they get there every year? No. But wouldn't it be great to have another team to where we get more parity, we get more you could lose? Because they've never won a championship. They've only ever been to one Final Four. If UConn doesn't win it this year, my God, they're back. They got a chance to win it next year. They're a perennial powerhouse. Unlike no other powerhouse we've ever seen in the history of the women's game. They are are so loaded. They get so much talent that every year... There's a there's a top 10 pick from UConn going into the WNBA. They've got so much talent that every year they're bringing in McDonald's All-Americans. And they have so much talent that Gino Auriemma as a coach can be extra hard on his players. Because he knows, yeah, I could bench her because I've got three more of her behind him. And then they, they they sprinkle in those special players 
They sprinkle in the Sue Birds. They sprinkle in the Swin Cashes. They sprinkle in the Diana Tarazis. Oh, my God, they were all on the same team. So ridiculous. Right? They, they sprinkle in the Brianna Stewarts. Those special ones. Katie Lou Samuel, Samuelson, not having as great a WNBA career as I thought so far, but she's still young. And now Paige, Paige Beckers. And, and they're special. Mixed with all of these extremely good talents. Rebecca Lobo, special. And you mix them in with these, these really good talents. And so UConn's not going anywhere, but you can't name somebody off NC State's team. And I don't mean this year. I mean, like, when you talk about NC State women's basketball, who's the most popular woman in NC State women's basketball history? I guarantee you nobody knew that she went to NCAA, I mean, to UNC State, and that's the problem. Nobody's nobody's going to know. If you name whoever the best women's basketball player to come out of NC State, there's a good chance that most of your average people don't know who don't know that that person went to NC State. But they all know Diana Tarazi. Right? They all know Sue Bird. They all know Brianna Stewart. They all know Swin Cash. They all know Tina um Tina Charles. How did I miss Tina Charles before? They all know Tina Charles. They all know. And because they know, that makes the program elevate. And so until you give a new team an opportunity to elevate, they can never do those same things. They can never get to a level that Louisville has been able to get to. Are they are they UConn? No. But we know players from Louisville, right? They never get to the level of Stanford. Are they UConn? No. But we know plenty of players from Stanford. LSU, South Carolina now, Notre Dame, Duke, UNC, obviously Tennessee, Oregon, Texas A&M. Texas, Baylor, all of them have been able to ascend and get on the grand stage where all of the eyes are on them. And when they got onto that grand stage with all the eyes on them, they were able to get it done. And we robbed UNC of it. We, I'm sorry, not UNC. Look, see, that's the problem. We robbed NC State of it. We didn't allow them to have their chance to get it done because we made them go play the best program in the history of basketball in their own backyard. But we're here now. And UConn is going to have their hands full with Stanford. UConn is going to have their hands full with Stanford. And this is in a neutral site. UConn Connecticut is nowhere near Minneapolis, Minnesota. Neither is Stanford. 
And so we should see what happens on this legitimately neutral site. Because Minnesota is nowhere near Louisville, Kentucky. And it's nowhere near Charleston, South Carolina. So these teams have the opportunity to play legitimate. These, these They have a chance to play legitimate neutral site games. Will the, will the crowd be able to push UConn through when it's not in their own backyard? Will South Carolina stay on the mission? They've got a, a tough Louisville team in front of them, a really tough team. You know, between all four of these teams, right? Between all four of these teams, there are only 14 losses. Four teams, 14 losses, right? A hundred, a hundred and 25 wins. Yeah, I'll say it again. You, you didn't really hear me. Um, 123 wins, excuse me. 123 wins, 14 losses. This is what we're getting in the NCAA tournament. You people want to know why I love it so much? It's basketball at the highest level. Now, I want to know. There's this question. I want to know. Is South Carolina going to blow out number one overall seeds? Or is South Carolina going to struggle? Are, are Louisville and whomever South Carolina meets in the championship game, because I got them winning it all, are they going to be able to show that South Carolina is not pulling away from the rest of the country? Are they going to show that South Carolina is not the new UConn? Because right now, in my eyes, South Carolina women's basketball is the new UConn, which is so impressive because UConn is still UConn. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all got to get your popcorn ready. You got to get your popcorn ready. I want to once again thank Amy Zimmer. Make sure that you follow her on social media at Amy Zimmer WJCL. The, 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 the um, sports director for WJCL, a well-deserved um, title, a, a baller herself, a collegiate baller herself, played collegiate um, volleyball, excuse me, at, 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 at Rutgers, I believe. Rutgers or St. John's. Now she's going to really be mad at me. They're really gonna be mad at me now, Amy. If you listen to this, I'm sorry. Um, I believe. See now I've got to now I've got to look it up because I, I already I already blew it by um messing up where she went to school. 
but I want to make sure I get it right because, you know, it's only right that you get these things right. But yeah, I, I she did go to um, college though. She went to college to be a, um, um, I'm sorry, to play back, to play volleyball. Not back. I keep wanting to say basketball because we're talking, you know, um, basketball. But um, quite tall, six foot two, I want to say, somewhere close to to six six two six one six two. Um, looks like a hooper. She actually looks like a hooper, which is what I think is kind of interesting. She looks like a ball play, like a basketball player. So I wasn't surprised to hear her um, when she said that she did at one point in time, you know, play. That that didn't. It didn't surprise me. Um, it was St. John's, by the way. And I couldn't remember off the top of my head. I don't know why I couldn't remember. Um, but she she played volleyball at St. John's, and now she's a, um, a fantastic um, member of the Savannah area and, and what they do in their news. And it's all up for it's all up for her from there. And so I do appreciate her joining me. I look forward to getting her on the pod another time to talk for much more, um, a much longer period of time about all types of stuff. But until then, um, ladies and gentlemen, make sure that you go out and you read the column, um, my final four. The the final the final four is is going to be lit, and, and you want to make sure you read the column. You want to make sure that you. Go back and listen to my NCAA tournament. Um, excuse me, read my NCAA tournament story um, and everything else we do over here at Gene Therapy. I really do appreciate you all joining me and all all being in this journey with me. I appreciate CWN Sports for um, continuing to give me the latitude and the platform. And we're not done. We got a lot of stuff coming. So make sure that you lock in. You can find me on all social media platforms at gene clemens you can follow the youtube channel coach gene clemens make sure that you follow the coach gene clemens page on um facebook and until next time you guys be blessed